0: And welcome to the Forbes India cover story podcast series in association with theindicast.com. My name is Abhishek. Now, everyone loves uh, stories of comebacks and especially of those uh, involving either startups or the little guy taking on the big ones. This cover package is about just that, regional Goliaths who have made more than a mark in their respective fields by shedding their erstwhile avatar of being a David. Joining me on the call to talk about his cover package is Rajiv Singh, who's done a bunch of stories. Hey, Rajiv. Good morning. Good morning, Abhi. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you, Rajiv. And in this cover package, you've done uh, six profiles of uh, companies. What is this package about in that Forbes India, you know, it celebrates capitalism, entrepreneurship. It's not just about big conglomerates. And this package is in that vein. So what did you set out to achieve?
1: It's a package of seven awesome brands. My colleague Manu Balachandran also contributed to it. And it's a story of, you know, all these regional Goliath, And we call it Goliath because they are massive. So that the old narrative of David versus Goliath is RIP. So let me take you through all the six names. So there is Balaji Wafers, which is massive in four states, uh, biggest in Gujarat, Rajasthan. So these are the big states where it lords over. Then there is Pratap Snacks, which is a listed company. Then you have... A, Goldie Masale, uh, which has Salman as brand ambassador, straight from the Badlands of Kanpur, made it insanely big, a thousand crore plus brand. And, and then you have Milk Mantra in East, Canterbury in North, and Raj White Soap. You have that from, again, North. So it's a mix of brands across all uh, across the country, and then all of them have made it big in the respective regions that they operate.
0: And here by region, they done something different to break away from just being a local brand, if not at a national scale, but uh, at a regional scale where you've got they are number one or number two in four or five states and they choose to go slow.
1: So a bit of disclaimer first, when we say them regional Goliath, they are not, they are regional only in terms of the revenue that they draw. For example, let's look at Pratap snacks. Pratap snacks might be available in more than 12, 15 states across the country. Same for Balaji. Balaji is present in 11 states. Raj Masala is present in 18 states. So they are not regional in terms of their reach, but they are regional in terms of the money that they make. Geographical concentration in terms of the pockets where you lot and the pockets from where you get the most amount of money. That's why we are calling them regional. Now, coming back to your question of local, see, This is a story about all homegrown brands in India. And I I would presume that the story globally as well. All of them start as local players. They're not brand at that time. They're local players. And then some of them are very smart, very diligent to graduate, to become a regional player. So local remain local who are just me too kind of, Players, they just copy and paste. They look at you know the the leader in this segment. They try to copy in terms of product or price or packaging. But regional, you know, they are ahead of the game. In fact, they are ahead of the rivals as well. And this is what makes them regional big players.
0: Often they may not even get it right the first time. Uh, the Virani clan they lost twenty thousand rupees in their first venture, which was in farm equipment and fertilizers. And then you mentioned Balaji. What was their story about? How did they shift? from being in a completely different industry to making Balaji wafers today, which is worth uh, 2,374 crore rupees
1: turnover. So it's a, it's a phenomenal story of a guy of three brothers who started very small, you know, from Aston's cinema canteen. It's, it's a single screen, used to be single screen cinema canteen in Rajkot. And, and Chandubai Virani, along with his two brothers, used to work in the canteen. And this was way back in 1977. The owner of the canteen was so impressed with the hard work of these guys. After a couple of years, the contract to manage the canteen was given to uh, Virani brothers. There was a wafers guy who was to supply uh, chips to the canteen. And he was quite irregular. Chandu bhai and, and his um, brothers thought of why not start manufacturing wafers, which the idea was simply to solve the supply issue. It was not to take on any other guy or to make it big. The aspiration was not there at all. And and the beauty of it is they still don't aspire to be uh, the biggest in the country. If you talk to Chandu Bhai Virani, I I find it really uh, very weird because this happens to be one FMCG company which doesn't have a sales target. He doesn't believe in having a sales target.
0: And he also talks that he can still go on the farms unlike any other uh, FMCG CEO. That's the
1: beauty of all these guys. Just because they come from such a small... Place such a small beginning that they stay grounded. They are nimble as well. When he says that he can go back to the farms, he's not joking. He can seriously go back to the farms because this is what he has done. It
0: right. So they get their hands dirty because that's where they they began. And you write that uh, in this case uh, they would distribute wafers on their bicycles. Then they moved on to the mot- to motorbikes, and then of course they had this. Uh, distribution chain but how do these brands how difficult is it to differentiate themselves in a, a crowded market sometimes which is also commoditized uh, let's switch to milk mantra which is in exactly this kind of an industry where they figured out a way to sell milk at a premium and yet be successful in a, a market which is unorganized as well as has a lot of brand, uh, brands so it's a classic case of product innovation and
1: differentiation Dairy is supposed to be a volume game. Dairy is supposed where there is not, you don't come up with much differentiation. Milk is a milk. What is there in the milk? That's the traditional mindset. These guys disrupted it by innovating. So the the, the first innovation that they launched themselves was the proposition that milk doesn't need to boil. Imagine in a country, in a state where people are used to buying packet milks and, and, and then going taking it at home and then boiling it and then drinking it. The very proposition that, hey, just open the pack and drink it. It hit the consumers. That was one big differentiation and and they charged 20% premium for that. And they were very sure that if you are solving a problem and if you're making life easy for consumers, they would be definitely willing to pay more. And this is what has happened.
0: Right. And they don't seem to be behind snagging a, a lot of market share, uh, right? Is, is, you can correct me here if I'm wrong because there is a line somewhere that I read that as long as there is 1% uh, market share in some of these industries which are ruled by unorganized players, these brands should be uh, more than delighted because they still get a pretty big chunk. For example, take any segment,
1: a pain segment, an organized market or any other market. If you presume that the market size is 7,800 crore, imagine 1% of that how much that would be for all these small guys. But the beauty of all these players, they're not content with one. They started with one. There was a method in the madness. They started with one. They didn't want to go, for example, all of them. They never started with one state. They didn't go to the capital of that state. They didn't go to the top cities of that state. They straight away went to the hinterland, tier three, four, and five. Two big reasons for that. First, over there, once you you move deeper into the, uh, the country, people are still open to experimenting with unknown names and brands as compared to cities where, you know, consumers are already so much brand conscious Second reason was no point in fighting big guys in, in a city and, and then losing everything. So it's like finding out from rural areas to city, unlike the other way around, which usually big players do.
0: Right. And yet that can be daunting when you are in an industry where even the big guys uh, will sell uh, products uh, in, in, you know, whether it's uh, right up at the Himalayan uh, peak or right down to Kanyakumari where soaps, for example, uh, the big ones, uh, whether it's ITC or uh, HUL, they have a distribution network which will cover nooks and uh, corners of our country. And yet you have uh, something like a Raj Super White, a perfume laundry soap which did well. Uh, Was it in Punjab? And uh, my question is, how did they, for a company uh, as big as that, uh, they got to over one and a half lakh retailers and 2,000 distributors? Now, again, how does that work?
1: Again, Abhi, it's differentiation. When you have got big players, obviously, they have a wider footprint, much, much deeper footprint than you. You have to innovate. And the biggest innovation for these guys was not coming up with any other laundry soap which looks like a blue, brown, or yellow. That's the no traditional color of uh, laundry soaps across the country they came up with white white was not only meant to be uh, a, a, some kind of a trick to lure consumers but white was white meant to do two things first make them stand out in a cluttered market second they differentiated also by making it perfumed usually laundry soaps are not perfumed laundry soaps are harsh on your hands you know nobody believed in their story Look at the way they started marketing. So, you know, both the brothers, on on a bullet, they used to take a a bucket and and a few of the rival soaps and some of their own soaps and go to every Kirana store, fill the bucket with water, put both the soaps there. And then after some time, the shopkeeper used to see that the, the, the rival brand, whether it's blue, yellow, or whatever color, used to melt more than the... Raj, white soap, then they are converted.
0: And that's how they used to convert. And then word of mouth worked. I think that is important, isn't it? We, these guys don't, didn't have the money to go up on the prime time, whether it's uh, online or on the mass media. And word of mouth w- is still good enough. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Because word of mouth helps you to reach a particular scale to begin with. If, if you look at Goldie, Masa- Goldie Masale, coming back to Kanpur in Uttar Pradesh, They too were not advertising, and if if at all they were advertising, it was only in very local medium, regional medium. It was more outdoor, nothing, nothing national. Going back to Punjab, last year was the first time in so many years, I would say in a decade, the brothers over there went uh, national on television with Kapil Sharma show. And, And that did the magic, because they already had the reach, they already had the scale, and now visibility. So once a regional brand gets gets to a particular level, what it aspires for is visibility, recognition. Goldie Masala always had this problem that, you know, 800, 700 crore brand, it's not easy to be of that size. But still, the respect and recognition that Goldie aspired for, it never got. Outside the state, definitely, it's a big player in UP, it's a big big player in Hindi-speaking belt. But but India is not only Hindi speaking belt. You go to Maharashtra, you go to other parts of the country, but these guys are finding it very difficult to crack the market. Nobody trusted them, you know.
0: Right. And here too, right? They do little things that might draw in an Indian consumer. For instance, Pratap snacks, you write that they loaded even five rupee packs with more chips, meaning 30 grams more in a five rupee pack, also made a difference. This comes from
1: the insight that Indian consumers value. Give value to value. When everybody's selling at a 5 rupee pack, when there is no different, no great differentiation in terms of taste, because you can't say that PepsiCo hasn't cracked their taste code it has. That's why PepsiCo has become so big in Indian foods and beverage. Well, how do you differentiate? You take the game to another level by loading, by increasing the gramage at the same price. And these guys can do because they don't have, the, you know, imagine the operational overhead that a PepsiCo has. Pratap won't be having that. Balaji won't be having that. Talking to Chandu he was very clear. He told me that one big edge that all these homegrown brands have, as compared to an MNC rival or a big Indian rival, is the nimbleness. If you have to take a decision, you will take it overnight. You will take it within minutes. You won't wait
0: months. Right, you don't have to seek uh, explicit approval from a headquarter of an MNC, which is maybe in Europe or in the US. So in that sense, decision-making can indeed be fast. And at the same time, these brands are not just uh, price competitive in that uh, uh, someone like uh, Canterbill Retail, you write, uh, it sells apparel. It sold an aspirational brand uh, without being expensive, to quote from your article about them.
1: Absolutely. Again, it comes from the insight that you know, Indian consumers are becoming aspirational. Aspiration of the of those residing in cities was always there. Hmm. But brands and companies who managed to spot that aspiration are there in tier three and beyond are the ones who cracked the entire market. The positioning of Canterbell is something like it's, it's a foreign brand. And they have this very small, fine print line which says Italian designing. So they position themselves as an Italian brand. In terms of quality also, they are not a very local kind of brand. And and when a consumer sees or or perceives them as a value for money brand, because you're getting a nice product and that at a great cost at a great discount. Uh,
0: Rajiv last couple of questions. I know this is not part of the cover, but just curious to know, you've also done in the past, we've spoken about e-commerce as well. Even in tier two, tier three cities, the uptake is phenomenal. Do these players consider e-commerce to be competition at all? Because you can still click buy and it, it can be delivered to whichever pin code that you are in. So do these guys have an e-commerce strategy or or are they worried or does it feature in their plans at all?
1: The so pandemic definitely was a pandemic year. Last year was a big learning for all of them. But they were not big on e-commerce or online thing. You, most of them are offline heavy brand. So they learned the lesson hard way. They're ramping up the online presence. But we again, with pandemic, without pandemic, by and large, the story won't change in India. It will still remain a largely offline thing. The lessons definitely are there. For example, look at Pratap Snacks, which was more, you know, five rupee pack used to be more than 60% of its sales. Five rupee pack, you know, used to get sold during the normal times when offline was there, when people were going out to work. Now with everything shutting down and people increasing the in-house consumption, they realize that they don't have the family packs. That many family packs, I would say, because they never focused on family packs. So they've started pushing family packs. This is a big learning for them. And the pandemic taught them that you have to, you know, not put all eggs in one basket. Five-rupee pack has done wonders, but, you know, it can tank. And this is what happened.
0: Right. I think small unit sales in India have always been a hit, uh, whether it was a one-rupee sachet of uh, shampoo or even a small Parleji of uh, two to five rupees. But yes, the pandemic has uh, changed the way people perhaps consume, even in uh, the hinterland.
1: And there is another another marketing beauty for all of them. I I would say most of them. They are not one pony trick. For example, a Goldie Masale would get still maximum revenue from Masale, but they're also into noodles. They're also into sauces. And when when you go to a retailer in a smaller town and you have a bouquet of offering, the retailer is most likely to pick you up over a rival that has only one product. You have to also think about what is retailer going to benefit from your product your value proposition. So they're not only thinking about the consumer, they're also thinking about the retailers.
0: You uh, end up by saying that India is now a breeding ground for regional Goliaths. So do you foresee more of these sprouting in the coming years or has the pandemic only delayed certain uh, plans?
1: Abhi, one common thing among all these brands is that the aspiration, the aspiration is clearly there to make it big on the largest scale. Whether it's pan India presence or pan India revenue or sales, they're not there in no mood to sell out. You know, contrast it with Indian homegrown brands 20 years back or 10 years back, and still we find examples of brands selling out to big players. All these guys are no mood to sell out because they have seen, they have tasted success, they have tasted blood. Now they want to make it big.
0: Was it Balaji uh, Wafers, uh, Rajiv, who was offered one of the brands that you wrote about was offered a big chunk of money, four thousand crores or so, and they chose to stay away and uh, decide. Yeah, yeah.
1: Chandu Chandubai Virani, if you talk to talk to, he's a legendary guy. If you talk to him, he's in no mood to sell. His business philosophy is very clear. He's not building a company to sell the company. He's
0: building a legacy and in institution. Right. So more power to regional uh, players and regional Goliaths, as you put it. Uh, Rajiv, in the interest of time, thank you very much for uh, this podcast, for your time on this podcast.
1: Thanks a lot, Abhi. As usual, great talking to you.
0: Thank you. And all you listeners, you know where to find us on ForbesIndia.com, on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and any other podcasting application that you use to consume your content. And uh, to have someone call you for a Forbes India subscription, message Forbes to 51818. And also look for other podcasts from uh, Forbes India. There's one called Teenpreneur, an interview series with young entrepreneurs and We also have from the bookshelf of Forbes India, conversations about business economics and books.